Do you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? Well, it could be caused by a nutritional deficiency that can be reversed. Certain nutritional deficiencies can impact nerve function and are a frequent cause of numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in the feet and legs. It may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Zobria from Oshare Health provides precision nutrition to quickly restore healthy nerve function. Zobria is a proprietary formulation with high-potency bioactive ingredients that work better than simple vitamins to target nutritional deficiencies that impair nerve function. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven supplement that works with no side effects. You can get Zobria risk-free by going to Zobria.com. That's Z-O-B-R-I-A dot com. And get 20% off with coupon code Hoffman at checkout. This offer is only available to Intelligent Medicine listeners. That's Zobria.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine podcast, part two. The subject is recovery and a broader definition of sobriety. Our guest is an expert on the subject. She's the creator and director of the Food Addiction Treatment Program at the Realization Center, oldest and largest outpatient addiction treatment centers in locations in both Manhattan and Brooklyn. And the new book is the big book of true recovery from food addiction and beyond. And congratulations, Diane, on this project. I've known you for a long time, and I've known that this book uh, was kind of... um, I don't know. It was like a twinkle in your eye uh, 10 years ago. And it's something that you've been working on and working on and working on. And it's a culmination of a life's work uh, helping patients with addiction. Let me just share uh, from the book uh, some of the comments, personal testimonials of people who've been on your program. Jim writes, with abstinence from binge foods and a program of sound nutrition, I discovered a freedom I never thought possible. I am finally able to feel secure in my sobriety and my abstinence. Thank you, Diane. Uh, Tony writes, Realization Center introduced me to the path of true recovery and helped me to build a strong foundation through abstinence. Uh, Magdalena, Diane, you're one of my greatest teachers and guides. Thank you for all you've given me. You were so dear to me. And on and on it goes. Because uh, so many people uh, have tried and failed at recovery and sobriety. And that's something that I note in the, in the forward to the book that I wrote. Uh, I wrote the sobering truth, forgive the pun, is that recovery often fails or is incomplete. Alcohol relapse occurs in almost one third of recovering alcoholics during their first year of sobriety. Maybe that's an underestimate. For drugs, the relapse rate may be even higher. For cigarettes, as any former smoker will attest, it takes many failed attempts, sometimes over years, to definitively quit. So clearly something is wrong with our current approach to addiction uh, in this country. And that's where a more comprehensive strategy for dealing with addiction comes into play. Uh, So it was uh, actually uh, a guy that um, predates me by quite a few years, uh, Dr. Abrahamson, uh, who first noted, uh, this is back in the 50s, uh, he wrote a, book, a pioneering book called Body, Mind, and Sugar, 1951, the year before I was born. And he introduced the notion that carbohydrate dependency and dysregulated glucose metabolism are the keystones of many psychiatric disorders that ultimately lead to addiction. And then uh, 
additional books on the subject. Uh, Bill Dufty's Sugar Blues, 1975. Mm -hmm. That's when I was a pre-med student. It amplified and popularized Abrahamson's work and introduced the notion of hypoglycemia and sugar dependency. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. And we recognize this in the nutrition field, but they haven't really bridged that into the field of addiction recovery, have they? No, and it's really, it, it hurts my heart when I hear clients say, I never heard of it. clients that are listening to, to a lecture. Uh, it's an education series that became this book, and they've been around treatments for a long time, and they say, I never heard about this before, but it makes sense. And, you know, I wish I had a dollar for everybody that ever said, it makes sense. Because they really recognize the fact that they've changed their cares on the Titanic, but they didn't, they didn't know the um, damaging and, and continuation of their whole uh, addiction and relapse process it was. And for those people that are willing, and I, I tell people to pray for the willingness to be willing, to make the changes necessary to be in recovery, because it's, it's a big challenge, um, they do make changes. Maybe not as much as I would like them to make, but they do start making changes, because once you know, you can't unknow. And for the most part, people aren't masochists. They don't, they don't continue hurting themselves when they know that they're doing something that's very harmful. How do you know? Oh, I'm sorry. How do you know if you're a candidate for this book? Because it seems to me that we're all on the spectrum of addiction. America is an addicted country, and whether yes, yes, uh, yes. whether you're, you're you know you're on Skid Row uh, or whether uh, you know you simply have sort of a, a like a dieting mentality. You know where you know when she was good, she was very very good. You know, like the little girl, when she was good, she was very, right, very good. But right, when she was right, bad, right, she was very, very right. bad. Yeah. You know, that that whole uh, psychology, I think, underlies uh, the way that we uh, gravitate towards various things in this country. Yeah, but it's, so the, the thing about, well, the food industry has gotten control. They're sort of in charge to commercials and, and to all other forms of advertising and you know um there's something that i do that's called the food that was labeled the food talk by our medical director dr Tacos. and people go to psychiatrists and the psychiatrist will say well you know how are you feeling and um how, how does that make you feel and what did you what did you do what did you do before that? And answer it's all, all these questions trying to evaluate persons' psychiatric mental health. They never asked, "What do you eat for breakfast?" <laughs> right. Trying to under, trying to understand uh, issues of blood sugar as it affects mood, as it affects brain chemistry. So they don't ask the question because they're not educated about it. And every time I had a food talk with any of these psychiatrists, they said, absolutely. So they, they, they're medicating mood issues for the most part that are coming from people's food addiction and eating behavior. And it's not coming from broccoli. Nothing in broccoli taps into reward circuitry or in broccoli uh, to blood sugar levels. 
but everything that everybody is treating themselves when comforting themselves with does. And so they look like they have these psychiatric mood issues. And it's, you never know until the, the decks are clear. Not until someone is abstinent following a plan of eating that normalizes blood sugar that they are available for an accurate evaluation by a psychiatrist to see if they really have mood issues. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a, a book that really kind of fits into this paradigm. It's uh, Dopamine Nation by Anna Lemke. And, and I read the book and I was yes. fascinated because the idea is that we're all uh, hooked and we're hooked on media. We're hooked on sex. We're, you know, if we're not actual substances or sugar, uh, we're all hooked and, and our whole society uh, burns out our dopamine circuitry so to speak. But absent from the book, and I was kind of disappointed, was the perspective on food. Uh, and that's where your book comes in. I believe so much changes when you become abstinent. So we use the word abstinence, meaning being sober with food. We're abstaining from overeating. We're abstaining from undereating. We're abstaining from any form of purging. How do you do that? By following a structured plan of eating, that helps you know what to eat, when to eat, and how much to eat. Not that because it's, a, it's not that it's a diet. It's because you don't know, most people don't know what to eat, when to eat, or how much to eat. And that's what this structured plan is with lots of food. Um, it's a way, I always hesitate to say this, but it's, it's a key. It's a weighed and measured food plan. Not because it's a diet, but it helps you with volume. It helps you with boundaries around the food. I was working with a client the other day and explaining the food plan to him. And I was explaining the one principle. The first principle is that you weigh and measure your food. Mm-hmm. And if you're, in the, if you're in the kitchen alone, you and <laughs> alone, maybe with a higher power, and y- your portion is, say, six ounces of chicken, but my God, you had a terrible day. You're up and down the subway, things <laughs> didn't go well. You're, oh, that's six ounces of chicken, so it's not going to do it. That's the way I feel. So you put in a few more ounces. But then now you start talking to yourself, what am I doing? I'm trying to be honest. So back and forth, back and forth. Okay, you take off the extra couple of ounces, bring it back to what you're obligated to on this plan. And when you do that, when you're that rigorously honest, something changes in you. You start to experience your integrity and from your integrity you start to experience your dignity self-care nothing better evidence is how you care for yourself than how you feed yourself and when you start caring for yourself and being abstinent on on this plan you start to change you start to experience a sense of self that has esteem that has confidence that has judgment because now your brain is working if you're eating in this way that normalizes blood sugar levels you optimize your brain function you optimize your energy which has been sorely lacking um, that's why you eat candy bars and soda and juice to get and, and caffeine to get this is so that's all coming back into play and your your sleep is amazing you wake up rested not tired um, and then mood gets very stable maybe you don't need to be on those mood stabilizers that have been prescribed for you and 
miracle of miracles, your weight goes to where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Not to where the doctor said it was. He's just looking at a BMI chart. He doesn't know what you should weigh. Your body knows what you should weigh. And when you put in your body what belongs there and not put in what doesn't belong there at the right time and the right amount, your weight's going go, to normalize. And people start experiencing such success prior to even normalization of weight because it's all going in the right direction. Is it possible to restore a, a broken uh, satiety sense? Because I think a lot of people have lost their uh, internal cues for satiety. They've overridden them so much. Uh, once you've crossed that threshold, can you regain a normal sense of satiety? So you, at some point, you're free uh, to make judgment calls without such rigid uh, weighing, measuring, and portioning your food. So I think that brings up a discussion of ghrelin and leptin. And it is, it, those are the hormones in the stomach that tell us to eat, that we're hungry, and tell us that we're full. And I think they're all, it's a, it's a whole system. We have such wonderful systems that we have so abused. And I think after years, I still weigh and measure my food. I hmm. love doing it. I never, I never walk away from meals saying, oh, I ate too much. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. Oh, but I, I felt like I needed more for Oh, I'm so sorry. I can't eat tomorrow. And I never walk away from, from a meal thinking, did I eat enough? Maybe I should go back and get seconds. That's where the disease is living in your head. And you're not in charge. You're not in life. You, you're, you're back into the food again. Mm-hmm. And you're wrestling so with that. You're wrestling with the, the, yeah, yeah. the, the, the uh, deprivation and then the gratification and then the, the guilt and, you know, self. More. Yeah, yes, self. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what is the what does the ideal diet consist of? It's not a no carb diet, right? And no. what are the macronutrient no. ratios? What are the relative importances of protein and fat and carbohydrates? And carbohydrates in what form are allowed? Uh, complex. Uh, there's no refined carbs on there because those are the triggers. And it's a combination of um, complex carbs, there's some starches and uh, grains on the plan, but not um, uh, what, what we eliminate, there's no wheat, like no wheat berries, because as you pointed out, uh, as you pointed out, um, wheat, wheat is very addictive. Mm-hmm. And breaks down into opiate into peptides, opiate peptides. Mm-hmm. As does cheese. As cheese breaks down into casomorphine. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I do often in the uh, in the lecture, I ask, okay, who loves who loves sugar? And the hands go up. And who who loves bread and pasta? The hands go up. And who loves uh, who loves cheese? And people don't know that it's part of an opiate experience. And uh, they get very sad thinking that cheese is not on the food plan. Yeah. So the, the ultimate culprit might be something like uh, pizza or uh, ravioli. You know, those are things that, uh, you know, you, you set a plate of spaghetti with Parmesan cheese in front of me and I can have three or four bowls. <laughs> yeah, because there's no satiety. It doesn't trigger the, the, the satiety button. Indeed. So, so it, 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 it's narrow. The, the recovery path 
is narrow. There are yeah. some shoulders. They're, they're narrow shoulders. And on either side of this path of recovery is a cliff. And sometimes you hear in the rooms, people say, I know I have another relapse in me. I don't know if I have another recovery. This is about having, living in your potential, living in life. And you don't even know what potential is. People, people don't know themselves. They've been walking around with a facade, with a pretense, fixing the outsides. That was me for a long time. The outsides, uh, hoping the insides get fixed. And no. So you have to care for yourself. And one of the challenges of doing so is embracing this way of eating, of taking care of yourself, which is so difficult because it means leaving home. It means individuating. It means now being a grown-up and caring for yourself as if you were your own precious child. So often I, I ask people, if, if you had a child or you have a child, would you feed them the way you eat? And so often it's like, no, because they know. They know their eating is, is terrible. Now, I, I don't even talk so much about healthy eating or nutrition. We talk about having a life and having recovery, not going back to all the behaviors that so diminish your potential. Um, it, it sounds like, you know, at, at some point you're putting a lot of attention on food, but it's to it's a means to an end. It's a means to making food less central and less in control of your life. And ultimately, yeah. uh, it's liberating. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it through discipline, there's freedom and liberation. Also, it allows you to go back and heal all the wounds that started in childhood. And then people walk around with Band-Aids. They walk around as the walking wounded with Band-Aids over it. And the, band, the major Band-Aid is the food, the sugar, the flour, the wheat, and so on. And and morph, morphing into alcohol and drugs. And if not, the food remains as a sort of a major coping mechanism. And one of the uh, amazing sort of benefits of, of taking care of yourself and eating in this way is developing healthy ways of coping so that you start to have your voice. That when someone asks you to do something when in the past you didn't want to do it, but you always said, yeah, I'm, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Now you say, no. No, no, thank you. Thanks for asking. I'm not going to do that. Or I don't like the way you just spoke to me. That's not okay with me. So people don't have that that voice that will allow them to be themselves and be real. And when that happens, you start to experience a self-esteem and a confidence that you can't get from anything else. It's an inside job. Mm-hmm. You, you attend a lot of uh, psychology conferences to stay abreast of you know the latest trends in your field, and you talk to uh, colleagues. Uh, I know that the book is intended for laypersons. It's written in a simple style, but I also think that the book is kind of a manifesto to the profession, so that there's going to be increased awareness among uh, mental health professionals that this is a keystone to recovery and to uh, mood optimization, right? I mean, what, what's the reception that you have when you talk to colleagues? Are you making headway or are you disappointed? <laughs> it's it's mixed, you know, lip service. It's like, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, it's that's very, you're very good. <laughs> and others like, but it would require, it would like telling an eating disorder professional, you've been treating people 
with misinformation, helping them, wanting them to eat moderately. But if they have addiction, and the reason they're really come for help is because they don't have the off switch, and you want them to eat moderately, it's not so unfair to them because they can't. It's not biologically possible. So that means a whole paradigm shift for someone who's in the field and taking on this, this different approach. It, it's not it's not so welcome, but I, I hope the book will have some uh, impact in having rethinking, rejiggering uh, the mechanism of treatment. A popular diet these days is the ketogenic diet with no carbs whatsoever. Uh, it, is there a reason that you shy away from that approach, from like a zero carb approach? So the difference between the food plan and the diet is that the food, the, the diet is about weight loss for the most part. This is not about weight loss. This is about eliminating cravings because there are none of the none of the substances that create cravings are on the planet and normalization of blood sugar levels. I think it's very close to the keto keto plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's relatively low carb, but not uh, an effort yeah. to put you into biological ketosis. So the way it goes, everything gets normalized, uh, but you're not deprived because there is a lot of food on there and and then there are some people that that um, attend what's called gray sheet meetings that, mm-hmm. that are very close to keto I was going to ask you about that yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I have no objection to that mm-hmm. but I think this is a this is a great place to start uh, getting relief from the cravings and by the way I make a distinction between cravings and urges so to me, cravings are because you're taking in these substances that uh, uh, provoke the brain to produce the dopamine, which is a great pleasure and all of that. Then it subsides because you don't have the off switch, and then you're back in uh, wanting more. Um, so when so when you're still in the food and taking in these substances in your body, you're managing cravings. So when you're no longer doing that and putting any of these triggering substances in your body, you don't have cravings. But uh, if finances go up in smoke or something with a relationship or you're unsuccessful at something, then um, you experience a desire, you may experience a desire to go home to bed with Ben and Jerry. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that as a craving. I see that as an urge, which is coming from your feelings. Mm-hmm. Because your whole life is managed feelings with food. Mm-hmm. And now that you have a support system, you're talking to people and you're trying to follow this plan, you recognize that, oh, mm-hmm. it feels like a craving, but no, I'm not putting anything in my body that's, that's creating cravings, which I know is bi- biological. Now this is what Diane was talking about. These are urges. Yeah, and I better go call somebody so I don't go backwards. Indeed, and you can, with what are, you know, there are life exigencies that just happen, and, you know, they're going to happen. But you have to be equipped to to stay balanced uh, in the face of these challenges, uh, and you'll cope much better, and you'll you'll spring back from adversity uh, if you come at it with a much more stable platform and not you know, 
been out of shape by uh, blood sugar abnormalities. And by, by the way, there's another dimension of this. And, you know, we've discussed this in our conversations is that you actually alter your microbiome, which affects your brain. When you change your diet, you change your gut bacteria and it has a profound feedback on your brain. And it may be that some of the very foods that you eat uh, engender changes in your microbiome, which perpetuate cravings. Right. Because also in, in, in doing this, you need a support system. Cannot do this alone. Mm-hmm. And there's a wonderful saying that an addict alone is in very bad company. <laughs> so, and that's and that's what the structure uh, you provide so, at the Realization Center. And, and there are many resources that people can find at the website, the new website, thebigbookoftruerecovery.com. Uh, the book is just out. Uh, congratulations. I've uh, known you for many years. I've known that this book has been uh, just a twinkle in your eye for many, many years. And I'm just so proud of you that uh, you've had the determination to bring it to realization. Uh, that's the name of your center. But um, I think this is really the capstone to a wonderful career for you. And you know, now you can share it, uh, not just with your individual clients, but with the, uh, with the world at large. So fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. The book is The Big Book of True Recovery. From food addiction and beyond. And the website by the same title, the big book of true recovery.com. Diane Schwartz, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you so much. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional-grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical-grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile-friendly site, It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world-class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com.